Representative Greg Rothman of Cumberland County had a great election night in 2020. He and his Republican colleagues overcame being massively outspent by the Democrats to not only maintain their majority in the Pennsylvania State House, but actually increase it. We talked about some of those victories and the coming challenges of redrawing legislative and congressional district lines. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Welcome to Brews and Views. I'm Matt Briott, President and CEO of Commonwealth Partners Chamber of Entrepreneurs. And uh, today my guest is Representative Greg Rothman. Uh, first of all, Greg, uh, congratulations on your victory once again uh, in this last election. Uh, and you've been on Brews and Views before, so we don't have to go into all of your background. Uh, but we touched on this the last time we talked, is that uh, you were the chairman of the House Republican Campaign Committee. Uh, and I know going into uh, 2020, um, it, you were looking at some rough waters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sailing rough waters. And as a Marine, you know, you can uh, yeah. you can handle uh, some of that. Um, but I, I know, and, and you, you cannot say otherwise, that if I'd have said, uh, Greg, you're going to come back with a larger majority, you wouldn't have taken that bet with me. Be honest. There's no well, way. <laughs> look, I, when I first looked at the election, I thought, I thought so. A month out, no way. Yeah, but, right. But, but look, you and our leadership and our members— did, a, did everything they had to do to win, and, and they, they did the right things. They knocked on doors despite, you know, the COVID issues, and we, we were outspent three to one, uh, but we raised more money than we'd ever raised before, and ultimately, we had the right message, and I think that the, the House races as well as the statewide races um, was it was sent a message to the governor on his capricious and arbitrary and draconian, his word, draconian, uh, measures to shut down our economy. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that all helped us as a caucus uh, to not just keep the majority, but we, remember, every single Republican member got reelected. Yes. Not, yeah, not a single not incumbent a single Republican incumbent lost. lost. Yes. Yeah. And they all voted with us yeah. on, on, the, yeah. on the governor's and our fiscal policies and uh, rejecting the governor's calls to raise taxes and the, the Democrats' calls to raise taxes. Um, but we also picked up four seats. Yeah. So so going into this election, Republicans had a 110-93 majority. Uh, coming out of them, what are your new numbers? 113. But remember also, we had, uh, with Speaker Terzai leaving, we were really at only 109. 109, correct. And that was an open seat that, yes. that the Democrats thought they could win. And there was an article a week before the election with the Democrats saying they're going to flip the House. Yeah. And, um, they, we, which they needed nine seats uh, to flip the house. Yeah, uh, ended up uh, uh, losing three. We which, lost. Yeah. We lost one open seat, yep. which was Tom Mert, who is the most liberal member of our Republican mm -hmm. caucus, and I don't think ever voted with. Yeah, us. yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, Tom was my friend, but yeah. my goodness, I mean, it was. It was he, he and, made, and that was a seat that you saw trending for the Democrats, and that once well, Tom Mert retired, it was likely and, to. And flip. Tom didn't yeah. help our. Yeah. The incumbent mm -hmm. didn't help the. Republican candidate who was going to replace him. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, you know, so that, but we did lose that one, but we picked up four seats. Uh, we, we picked up uh, an open seat in Schuylkill County. We picked up, uh, we flipped a seat in Allegheny County, which was a, uh, uh, we, we were hoping for. We picked up a seat down in, uh, 
Bucks County. When well, wait, wait a minute. I mean, you just kind of moved over the Allegheny County seat, which well, wasn't just a, a little flip, right? I mean, that was a big, hey, big pickup. I would say that you and I are probably two of the three people in America that thought that Carrie Dorosa was going to win. And <laughs> yes. I believed it from day yes. one, and you guys did too. And, you know, nobody worked harder than her. And uh, we beat the 30-year incumbent Democratic minority leader, Frank Dermody. Yeah, which we've said, uh, we've kind of said that this was the the Nancy Pelosi of Pennsylvania, right? I mean, that's who you're talking about. I mean, it was huge. And and I couldn't get a reporter to write about it prior to the election. And those reporters haven't written about it since. So I see the reporters in the Capitol (laughs) and they're, oh, any good stories? Well, you haven't written one word about Frank Dermody losing. I mean, that was huge. And it's been lost in the the Trump election. And um, but well, well, you said you know three to one, but there were some seats where it was like seven, eight, nine to one uh, when when it came to the spending. And I know you, you mentioned this at the beginning of our chat here that a month out, uh, uh, that that's tied to when all of a sudden there was just a massive influx of outside money. I mean, this is where you hear the Democrats talking about uh, money in politics. I mean. Uh, they are the 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 uh, you know epitome of money in politics, right. particularly coming from outside of Pennsylvania, flowing into the Keystone State, uh, and I know that that put uh, the fear of God in a lot of people at that time. Yeah, there there's been a shift that we are not the party of corporate Wall yeah. Street wealthy people. That that money is going to the Democrats, and and our money is coming from the smaller donors. And from the, the people who just you know want to want to protect the country and protect the issues they care about, mm-hmm. um, gener- mainly the free market. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, we were outspent. I mean, they spent a hundred thousand dollars on television against me. No one's ever spent a hundred thousand dollars combined <laughs> in my five elections. Uh-huh. And I mean that, but they had money. And now look, they were typical Democrats. I mean, the Democratic. House Campaign Committee spends money like they spend on social programs. Yeah, right. Very little of it actually works, right? I mean, the way they spend money all the time. Yes, and there's no yes. there's no stewardship. There's no fiscal responsibility. They throw the money, whatever they want to throw the money. Now they want to spend money on, I mean, if you talk about the, the stimulus dollars, it's also going to go to the people who still got paid. Yeah. Yeah. And haven't seen any well, effect. Well, I, I can attest to this because uh, I was getting texts for Cheryl Delosier's house race, which you know is right next to yours in Cumberland County. I live two counties over in Lebanon County, yet I'm getting texts for that race. I'm getting phone calls for surveys in a congressional district that wasn't my own. Uh, I'm getting mail for the same. So I think that they, they spent it very inefficiently. And that's where we don't have to be dollar for dollar. Boy, would it be nice. Uh, but because I think well, we spend money more efficiently, effectively, strategically, that's where you saw being able to overcome a three to one in total well, uh, spending. And advantage. they ran radical candidates. Yeah. I mean, Bernie Sanders in, endorsed more candidates in Pennsylvania for the state house than he did in any other state. And and they welcomed it, mm-hmm. and they welcomed it. They said, "Yeah, this is." And by the way, he's not a Democrat. Yeah, Bernie the Sanders Democratic Socialist. socialist. Yeah. So he said, yeah. oh, "Don't call me a socialist." <laughs> no, you were endorsed by a socialist, <laughs> and you know it's. And now the House Policy Committee just announced they're going to have a subcommittee for on socialism. Yes, and, yes, and, and, headed and by a, a Democrat socialist, socialist. Uh, endorsed. Yeah, I don't even yeah, know why yeah. we call them Democrats. Yeah, they're right, socialists, right, and they're right. proud of it. Yet, I don't know if they've ever been to Cuba, and they yeah. should go to a socialist country or a communist country and see 
how horrible that it working is. for you? Yeah. yeah. So, so you've got, uh, you know, all this money that came into the House and Senate races, outside money. Uh, of course, uh, you had a lot of overlap of money coming in for the Biden-Harris team against Trump. Um, how, when, when people say, um, you know, how did you guys pull off these upsets where you pick up four seats, lose one that uh, was an open seat, uh, and yet Trump loses at the top of the ticket. How do you square those voters that seemingly voted for Biden, but then voted for Rothman, right? Yeah, yeah because the voters know what they're doing. I mean, they really do. And they're, what, they're not just dumb lemmings that not, uh, nope, pull I, the straight party n- ticket? Well, and they, yeah, which a Democrat <laughs> actually said on the House floor, that our voters aren't smart enough to figure out how to vote for individual candidates. Uh, look, our voters even the ones that don't vote for us. I mean, give them credit. They, they really do know what they're yeah. doing. And, and they, um, they didn't like Donald Trump's personality. Yeah. They, and, and, and they may have agreed with his policy. I had one guy say to me, I don't vote personality. I vote policy. Yeah. And I said, so who are you voting for? He said, well, I'm going to hold my nose and vote for Trump. Yeah. But a big group of our voters, I and mean, we, we're involved in politics, so we think it's, you know, it's, this is what everyone thinks about they vote for the feeling. They yeah. vote for the optimism. They vote for, you know, if they don't like you, they're not going to vote for you. Yeah. They don't care how you vote. And for, for, for a, a big chunk of people, it might only be 20% of the electorate, but so you have 40% on either side that care about issues and are going to vote for the party and the issues. But the, you know, the, in the middle, they're the ones that decide elections. And they're not, you know, we say, oh, we have to, we have to moderate our views for them. No, they don't yeah. care about issues. Yeah. They care about whether you care about them. And that's why Obama and Trump, Trump won in 16 with the same message, I care about mm-hmm. you. And I think the voters felt that Joe Biden cared more about them than Donald Trump did. Well, and I think that, and we saw this certainly in uh, the campaigns in which we were uh, operating and the messaging that we were delivering, that uh, at the end of the day, uh, my uh, reply to media inquiries as to, you know, why Democrats uh, won at the presidential but lost uh, everything down ballot. I mean, they lost two out of three statewide offices, the House, the Senate. Um, that uh, what was the difference? Well, uh, to me, it was people didn't like Donald Trump's style, but they didn't like the Democrats' substance. And uh, as you know, we campaigned uh, on the substance uh, of what the policies mean to me, whether it was business shutdowns, that the Democrats have been supporting Tom Wolf every step of the way, harming uh, people's lives and livelihoods without data and science and, and holding, you know, uh, really hindering the ability for our economy to get back on its feet. Uh, and that resonated with voters. And I think I agree that people were able to say, well, I might vote for Biden, which I suppose in your district was a pretty close race, uh, uh, if, if not a Biden victory. But then they voted for you uh, pretty overwhelmingly, despite the massive amounts of money coming into your race. Well, and it was clearly, and, and the Democrats shouldn't get too excited about this, it was Republican voters that, that voted for Biden mm-hmm. and put him mm-hmm. over the top. Um, and we saw that. And we saw the millions of dollars spent by the by the Never Trumpers of the Lincoln Project yeah. targeting Republicans. I mean, when you run a billboard. All the billboards around When your billboard yeah. says, I'm pro-life, yeah. uh, Christian, yeah. pro-Biden. Yeah. Like, who are you trying to appeal to? <laughs> right. You're not chilling to the same party that is pro-abortion, yeah. wants no religion in our society. Yeah. Uh, so, so, yeah. so, so they sort of admitted that, that that's not 
you know, that that's how they have to win. And that's a bad sign for the Democrats because they're not building their base. Mm-hmm. There's no building the base. And on the other hand, out west in, and southwest in Pennsylvania and throughout the northeast and in many of these areas, the Republican Party is actually growing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's good for us. So uh, looking ahead, uh, you know, of course, the, the Democrats, uh, just like the Republicans, wanted to make sure that they got the majority House and Senate uh, in 2020, because uh, that will be who controls the issue of redistricting, which is something that happens every 10 years, uh, that when census numbers come out, obviously populations shift, which means you then have to redraw the boundaries around the various districts. Um, uh, that, that's kind of a very quick summary of what happens, but it is a political process because, well, it's done by politicians, <laughs> right? It's done through legislation. Uh, our congressional district lines are done just like a bill is passed uh, with uh, a, the House, the Senate, and a governor's signature. Uh, the legislative lines for the House and Senate, State House and Senate, are done a bit differently, correct? Uh, so we have oh, yeah. a, we have like, we have a commission. It's a it's uh, it's a it's a bipartisan, truly bipartisan mm-hmm. commission made up of the Democratic and uh, Republican House and Senate leaders. So there's four, mm-hmm. and then they pick a fourth, a fifth, a fifth member. And if they can't decide on the fifth member, the courts actually pick the fifth mm-hmm. member. So. Um, look, I think fair districts now has been exposed as a as which is who a, they really yeah, are, which is a, a political operation it, called it, fair it's districts, funded yeah. by Barack Obama and Eric Holder. Yeah. Uh, it was a democratic. Uh, I mean, it's a democratic organization. Yes. I mean, if the local Democratic Party said, "Oh, we want fair districts," I mean, what difference would it would it make? I mean, so Steve Kinsey, one of my good friends, best buddy from Germantown, Pennsylvania, is in a district that is ninety one percent Democrat. Uh-huh. How is that fair? Yeah, and how do you make his district fair? Where my district's 50% Republican. Well, the, so, so tell me how the, the, the fair districts people and the anti-gerrymandering people um, want to talk about the process but don't want to talk about the results. Yeah. Tell me what the results you look like. When I ask them, what's a fair district look like, tell me. Mm-hmm. Because they, they, they're more about the process. Mm-hmm. Um, but and on the other hand, the Democrats... You know, we are saying with voting, we should we don't care about the results. We care about the process, right? So, mm-hmm. so but fair districting. I mean, there's it's disingenuous because they don't tell you what the what the outcome they want is. And so, um, this is it's a bipartisan, made up of leaders of the House and Senate who know the state and know the districts better than anybody because mm-hmm. we represent them. We're held accountable. If I, you know, if you don't like the way the maps are, well, you can vote me out. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and 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 I think we're going to have a lot more sunlight on this process than we ever have, just because people are paying more attention. But when you go back and look at this process, uh, it has always had bipartisan support. I mean, the maps that were thrown out by the Pennsylvania Supreme Court and redrawn by a Stanford uh, law professor. Uh, were passed with bipartisan support by the commission and by or through legislation signed by the governor. Um, and so this has always had bipartisan support in this process, but uh, it's kind of easy to pick out a picture of a, a district that looks a little awkward in its drawing and say, well, this is gerrymandering or where the, the, the politicians are picking their, yeah, their we're, voters. We're, not, we're not Iowa. I mean, Pennsylvania yeah. has mountains and streams <laughs> and rivers. And I mean, look look at our school districts, how, how yeah. gerrymandered quote, they are. But 
Oh, and and the fact that we are a, one of the highest self-segregated states in the country, yeah. meaning that Democrats have concentrated uh, in our urban areas and Republicans are in the suburban and rural areas. Because people live where they yeah, want to live. Right. And there's nothing, I mean, you know, that's... But it's, <laughs> well, we need to restrict to, that right. The first right question I ever got yeah. about fair districting when I had a town hall is I said, it, you can't not make it political. It's a political yeah. process, yeah. just like a budget's political. I mean, the same people, they have this sort of self-righteousness. Oh, we want to take politics out of budgeting and we want all the money to come from the corporate government you know we want we want corporations to pay higher taxes yeah. we want the wealthy to pay higher taxes and we want it to be redistributed well guess what that's political yeah so so when they say that oh, we don't want it to be partisan yeah. well it's going to be bipartisan yeah. you're going to have two members from each commission and look the courts gave a better map to the democrats and even the democrats wanted and that's why we lost those congressional mm -hmm. seats but the, you know and i've studied this because i you know i was a political science major the gerrymandering, the, the worst case of gerrymanders, were done in the South by the Democrats uh, to keep blacks from being elected in, in majority districts, mm -hmm. in minority-majority districts. And we've done that in Pennsylvania. The Democrats mm -hmm. have successfully done that in Pennsylvania. Think about our minority population in Pennsylvania, and we have one African-American congressman out of 20. Yeah. Think about right. that. Think of, yeah. But we have a lot of white liberal <laughs> Democrats that live in the suburbs get and get those the, the minority votes out of Philadelphia and and in Pittsburgh too. They they have dispersed yeah. the black population in order to make sure there isn't a black more than one black congressman in the whole state of Pennsylvania. So when does this start up? Because you have to have these in place for the next election, which would be 2022. Uh, and, of course, that election really starts uh, almost a year from now, right? Yeah. I mean, because uh, you have to Don't start petitions. Me. Yeah, so you'll be doing this all again. So uh, the, the the clock is ticking, right? I mean, yeah. you have to start this process We'll get the census data, census data back, and probably in October we'll be, we'll, we'll be starting on it. And, uh, again, the congressional maps will be drawn by, uh, again, bipartisan mm -hmm. legislation. The governor has to sign it, and I hope he will. Uh, I mean, there are some principles that we've talked about that, that make sense, that you don't want to break up communities, yep. um, that, that you, but we have to decide. I mean, what, again, I ask, what does a fair district look like? And the shapes shouldn't mean anything. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it it's and keeping that's communities together, to, correct? And, and I mean, the, I, there, there are some guidelines uh, that some of these court rulings have made more clear as to how you need to go about this. And the case that, that dismissed our last map yeah. was a Democrat who said, I'm represented by a Republican. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, that's not, you don't get, we're a democracy. Yeah. The, the majority wins. And so um, can we make districts more fair? I, I don't even know what that means. Mm -hmm. I mean, you don't say in the, in the playoffs that, uh, the, you know, the, the one football, the Buccaneers can't use their quarterback because it's not fair that Tom Brady is so great, right? I mean, you, <laughs> it, like, th this is democracy. Yeah. And, yeah. and so their idea of fairness, I think, is... Uh, well, sad, sadly, um, I think it comes down to uh, what the districts look like not necessarily uh, how you get there, what's that process. Uh, yeah. um, and that's, that's been used uh, quite effectively to show uh, awkwardly looking districts as example of manipulation. Um, so I think there's going to be some challenges here uh, on uh, explaining uh, the messaging. And, um, but I think uh, more than ever, 
uh, the public will be paying attention to the redistricting coming which is, up. Which is always a good thing. Yeah. Let's get more people involved in the process. Well, uh, with that, uh, I know we'll have uh, lots more to talk about uh, in the coming months, and certainly we'll, we'll come back and revisit this. Uh, but want to say congratulations on uh, your work uh, with HRCC uh, and the victories that uh, uh, you guys experienced uh, this last fall, and uh, best of luck in this new legislative session. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for the coffee. You bet. You've been listening to Brews and Views, a production of Commonwealth Partners Chamber of Entrepreneurs. Find us on Facebook at Commonwealth Partners and follow Matt Briette at M-A-T-T-B-R-O-U-I-L-L-E-T-T-E. 